Greetings and welcome to Converging Streams, Interfaith Fellowship in our modern world. Our program is a production of the Muncie Interfaith Fellowship and the Unitarian Universalist Church of Muncie. This week's lesson, Taoism and Nonviolence. Please welcome Reverend George Wolfe. Hello and welcome to Converging Streams. I'm going to begin today's program by quoting three lines from an ancient Buddhist scripture from China called the Tao Te Ching. The Tao that can be told is not the eternal Tao. The name that can be named is not the eternal name. The nameless is the beginning of heaven and earth. Tao Te Ching, Chapter 1. The above lines state the obvious that is too often forgotten. That which gave rise to the universe is indescribable. Existing before language, it is beyond name. Dwelling in the infinite, it is boundless and indefinable. Yet the entire universe in all its wondrous order and diversity, came from that. And it is that transcendent oneness or singularity to which all things ultimately return and are reconciled. Since becoming involved in peace education several years ago, I have developed an interest in Taoism and its application to conflict resolution. Taoism is a philosophy associated with the Buddhist religious tradition. The Chinese word Tao, which is spelt T-A-O, but pronounced D-O-W, literally means way. The primary scripture of Taoism is the Tao Te Ching, an eloquent text ascribed to the rather obscure Chinese philosopher Lao Tzu, who lived in the 6th century BCE. Lao Tzu resided in the province of Honan and was curator of the imperial archives at Luoyang. Legend has it that he was asked to write down his teaching of the eternal Tao before departing to spend his last days in the desert. While Taoism is commonly considered a branch of Buddhism, the scripture of Taoism does not refer in any of its chapters to Buddha's Four Noble Truths or to his Eightfold Path. And rather than emphasizing moral law and erudite learning, as you find in Confucianism, Taoism sees academic knowledge as a potential distraction to spiritual growth, choosing to focus almost entirely on spiritual enlightenment, the path to which, according to Lao Tzu, involves cultivating the intuitive, feminine side of human nature. For compared to other scriptures, the Tao Te Ching is unique in its frequent use of maternal and feminine images. As it says in the Tao Te Ching, chapter 6, the valley spirit never dies. It is woman, primal mother. In this context, valley expresses the quality of fertility, but also of that which is lowly and humble. Chapter 22 makes use of what in Western culture are generally considered to be feminine characteristics. Yield to overcome. Bend and be straight. Empty and be full. 
advice in the Tao Te Ching that runs counter to the assertive, stereotypical, masculine approach to problem-solving and the resolution of conflict. Moreover, in chapters 25 and 52 of the Tao Te Ching, it is not God the Father who brings forth creation. Rather, it is the mysterious feminine power of the universe that gives rise to multiplicity as symbolized by the phrase, 10,000 things. Again, to quote the Tao Te Ching, chapter 25, something mysteriously formed, born before heaven and earth, in the silence and the void, standing alone and unchanging, ever-present and in motion. Perhaps it is the mother of 10,000 things. I do not know its name. Call it Tao. For lack of a better word, I call it great. And also from chapter 52 of the Tao Te Ching, the beginning of the universe is the mother of all things. Many of the principles expressed in Taoism are cross-cultural, as demonstrated by several passages in Christian scripture that are noticeably Taoist in the sense that they are paradoxical and invert the worldly value system we so readily accept. Take, for example, the words of Jesus when he says that, in the kingdom of God, many who are last will be first, and the first last. Indeed, this is what is depicted as happening in the Christian nativity story. For in the Gospel of Luke, who are the ones chosen to receive the announcement of Christ's birth? Not the kings or powerful military leaders, not the legal experts or philosophers of the day. No, those privileged to hear the birth announcement were the shepherds, who were among the lowest in the social order of the day. Jesus again spoke like a Taoist when he said, For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. In addition, the Gnostic Gospel of Thomas includes the following parable. The kingdom of the Father is like a woman who was carrying a jar full of meal. While she was walking along a distant road, the handle of the jar broke and the meal spilled behind her along the road. She did not know it. She noticed no accident. When she reached her house, she put the jar down and discovered that it was empty. From a Taoist perspective, the handle in this parable is a symbol for attachment, for it is the handle to which one latches hold. The breaking of the handle represents non-attachment, which is the path to discovering material emptiness and, ironically, spiritual fullness. This is one's spiritual nature, which is non-physical, non-corporal, and therefore empty in relation to the material world. That the figure in this parable is a woman and that her discovery of the lost grain occurs by accident speaks to the unplanned, spontaneous way the kingdom of heaven is revealed. It takes a feminine perspective to recognize the accident as profoundly significant as a stereotypical masculine intellectual or practical assessment of the event would see it as little more than a careless mistake. The primary symbol of Taoism in Chinese philosophy is generally known as the yin-yang. 
This symbol depicts the complementary flow of opposites coexisting in a condition of mutual give and take when interacting in the universe. People in Western cultures frequently ascribe good and evil to the white and black sides of this common image. But such values are not part of the Taoist interpretation. Rather, the yin, or black side, represents mystery, intuition, and the female principle, while the yang, or the white portion, symbolizes clarity, intellect, and the stereotypical masculine side of life. The large dots of opposing color in each side of the symbol reveal that the complementary opposites are not separate, but are forever interdependent. This prevents the Taoist duality from being interpreted and applied simplistically. According to the Tao Te Ching, one is to, quote, keep the strength of a man, but keep a woman's care, close quote. One must therefore learn to balance and live in harmony with the yin and the yang. Taoist teachings, like Zen Buddhist philosophy, and the life and teachings of Jesus are laden with paradoxes. One of the most surprising paradoxes is that Taoism, with its emphasis on harmony, humility, yielding to overcome, and seeking to cultivate the feminine side of human nature, is the philosophy out of which the oriental systems of martial arts were born. Many are those who have asked how a martial component could coexist with Taoism. First, the social-political system in China for many centuries was highly feudal, with territorial warlords competing for land and power. Self-defense was therefore seen as a necessity, especially for monastic communities, when the eyes of the provincial authorities suspiciously kept to themselves behind temple walls. The martial techniques applied, however, were not based on offensive or on aggressive tactics, but rather on learning to take the hostile force or energy being encountered and turning it against one's opponent. The result is an approach to self-defense, which applies the paradoxical teachings found in Taoism. One literally learns the value of yielding to overcome an aggressor, as taught in the following verses in the Tao Te Ching from chapter 78, under heaven, nothing is more soft and yielding than water. Yet for attacking the solid and strong, nothing is better. It has no equal. The weak can overcome the strong. The supple can overcome the stiff. And from chapter 43, The softest thing in the universe overcomes the hardest thing in the universe. That without substance can enter where there is no room. Secondly, in Taoism, violence is primarily defined by one's inner mental and emotional state rather than by outer behavior. As one Taoist saying expresses it, for the heart that is one with nature, though the body contend, there is no violence. But for the heart that is not one with nature, though the body be at rest, there is always violence. Violence, therefore, like harmony, is understood in Taoist philosophy more as an internal psychological condition. To shift into a mode of self-defense does not constitute violence if one's heart is free from anger. 
Thus, from the Taoist point of view, when dealing with conflict, the true enemy is not outside oneself. Rather, it is the demons of fear, anger, and hatred one harbors within. To defeat this inner enemy, a person must awaken what in Chinese philosophy is called qi. Qi refers to a person's inner strength, a force that is distinctly different from one's outer physical strength. The outer physical strength fades with age, but the qi can actually become stronger as one matures, enabling a person to endure the trials of life and acquire great social influence, which can last well beyond death. The word qi, like the words pneuma in Greek and ruach in Hebrew, refer to both spirit and breath. These words represent the life energy, the influence of which is in direct proportion to one's virtue. It is virtue that strengthens qi and gives rise to foresight, a determined will, a focused energy, and clarity of mind. This clarity is achieved to the degree one is able to set aside anger, fear, vengeance, and selfish desire. In doing so, a person remains free from negative aggressive energy and thus can perceive clearly the path to balance and reconciliation. This is George Wolfe for Converging Streams. Thank you for listening to Converging Streams, interfaith fellowship in our modern world. Our program is a production of the Muncie Interfaith Fellowship with content and financial support from the Unitarian Universalist Church of Muncie and technical support from radio stations WCRD and Work FM. Most importantly, we thank you, our listeners and followers, for your support. To connect with Converging Streams, including listening to our entire catalog of past programs, getting our latest new content, and making your own contribution to this program, visit our website, convergingstreams.org. Converging Streams is produced by Tony Piazza, George Wolfe, and Thomas Perchlick. Thank you for listening, and have a pleasant week.